Um, I sincerely believe that the animals that chose that choose to be with us in a given lifetime, we are spiritually self-teaching each other. We are helping each other evolve. They are helping, you know, that unconditional love and that sort of thing. Um, they really uh, take that to the highest degree when they're working with humans and they're wanting to evolve themselves. But as they take their next steps, they, they will get more information like we do, we humans do about, you know, the good and the bad and the, you know, all this stuff, kind of stuff that will com- confuse and, and cause us to grow more. Mm. So they have that unconditional love for us. We we kind of have conditional love for them because they have to be able to live with us, right? Mm-hmm. We have to train them how to be, to live with us, which is against their nature. Mm-hmm. And that's part of their involvement. Okay. Wow. They, they are showing us day after day that unconditional love and support. And no matter what, how bad you are, how bad a day you have, that dog or that cat is still going to love you the way you are, unless you treat them badly. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello, wonderful, blissful beings. Karen here from Sydney, Australia. It's kind of a muggy day in Sydney today, so I've got the fan on, so I'm getting that fan effect. (laughs) Just wanted to wish you a happy new year, festive season, holiday season, all that beautiful stuff. And uh, remember to subscribe to the channel or uh, join our newsletter for updates because we do more than just the shows. I call them conversations. I just slip and call them interviews. People are always like, why are you talking over the people? Because <laughs> it's a conversation between two people. <sighs> anyway, today on the show, we have Raphael Tamora. She is a psychic medium, healer, spiritual, beautiful, blissful being on this planet to help uplift humanity, help us connect become more unified create more unification on this planet and anyway we're going to talk about animal reincarnation she's got an amazing story to share about that so i hope you enjoyed the show hello and welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain so great to have you with us again today i have another beautiful ecstatic gorgeous divine person to introduce you to her name is Raphael tamora Welcome to the show, Raphael. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. (laughs) Let me tell you a little bit about Raphael. Hang on. Just reading the bio here. She's another extraordinary person. She's a spiritual teacher, healer, and clairvoyant who lovingly tends to the physical, psychic, and spiritual needs of everyone she encounters. A renowned clairvoyant spiritual healer and teacher, she's guided seekers throughout the world for 34 years, probably longer now. Has it been 34 years? Um, with the wisdom she has culled from a lifetime of applying spiritual principles to daily living. She offers her students and clients an array of spiritual tools and a a, a focused path of empowerment through her seminars, retreats, workshops, writing, counselling, and, of course, media appearances. 
a creative and inspired entrepreneur, Raphael, together with her husband, Michael, who we had on the show a few weeks ago. So remember to check that uh, conversation out with Michael. Founded the, Seraph the Seraphim at Mount Shasta, a man company through which all their spiritual teaching, healing and media business flows. And of course, you've got the fabulous radio show with Michael. The two of you get on there and yak about fantastic stuff. I mean, about, oh, look, it's, you got to check that out too. Raphael discovered early that she had the ability to communicate with animals, both domestic and wild. Her love and deep understanding for the spiritual life and animals has inspired her to write her eagerly awaited book. <laughs> Is it out yet? Is it out yet? No, it's not. I'm working on it. Very much so now. <laughs> Eagerly awaitable animal reincarnation, Shanti's story about her beloved dog. In the book, Raphael shares her profound experiences with a dog soul who has uh, returned to her as a faithful companion for the third time over a course of her present life. This is what we're going to talk about on the show today. We're going to talk all about animal reincarnation and animal souls there are so many people that say do animals have souls and yeah so we're going to talk about that where am i ah, Raphael lives with her husband michael two sibling feline companions mystic and merlin as well as shanty the great pyrenees dog oh well shanty actually is living with us in heaven right now oh well so, update that by. <laughs> yeah, needs to, i thought i had updated it sorry about that but uh, yes yeah, she, she's when she passed she, on april 23rd 2017 at age 14 and a half which is a very very long life for a great pyrenees dog yeah beautiful yeah. i'll get you to send me some photos and we'll show people what these beautiful beings look like so tell me, Raphael, were yes. you like Michael? Were you like aware and conscious and open and psychic as a child? Like, was it all going on for you as a child? Yes, yes, I was. Um, of course, my background is very different than Michael's, but in some ways it's similar. There was a time when we almost ended up in the same school as children in Japan. Wow. And I only found that out when I was in my 30s and we first started being together that I remembered that our family was preparing to move to Japan. My father was a military man. And um, we would have ended up on the, on the base where Michael was living as a child. So when that got switched at the very last minute, we were sent to Alaska instead. And I had a vision as a little child of Michael as a child. Wow. When uh, we visited on the way out, we visited this place called Mount Rushmore. You know, the mountain that has all the presidents. Yeah. Um, and there's a place called the Avenue of the Flags there. And they have flags from all over the world. And one of the flags was the Japanese flag, which I knew was Japanese, even though I was just a little girl. And I was standing under it, and I was given a vision of this chubby little Japanese boy who I knew I was going to have something to do with somewhere in my future. So that was our touch-in since we didn't get to be in school together. We're almost the same age. Uh, I'm about eight months older than he is, and okay. um, but the way our schooling went, we ended up, um, he ended up graduating a year ahead of me, so um, we would have either been in the same grade or a grade apart and probably run across each other, but we didn't, and in the family, it's, I come from a very intellectual family and very 
let's say Mensa Society smart. Uh, wow. My mother was very smart, and and I have several siblings who are have unmeasurable IQs. And you know, I was always teased as being kind of the not very smart one, but uh, as it turned out later, as as I grew up, I found out that part of it was I was very sensitive and I didn't handle energy very well. Right. So I didn't test. I didn't test well. Right. But when I was when I started to realize I wasn't the dummy I thought I was, <laughs> so to speak, um, that I have an IQ just as high as everybody else in the family. But IQ doesn't matter. I used to tease my siblings saying I have a high IQ, but it's my intuitive quotient. Yeah. And um, also, my mother and father both had uh, latent psychic abilities. They used, you know, when when one grow, grew up in the 1950s, there were no cell phones, there was no internet, there was no, you know, easy way to contact one another in an emergency. Right. And my mom had eight, uh, uh, nine kids over an 18-year period. Can you imagine being pregnant every other year for 18 years? Whoa. And so if something happened to one of the kids and my dad was out somewhere doing his duties as an Air Force guy, um, the only thing she would do is walk around the living room in a circle and rub her, her hands on her uh, temples and go, you know, something's wrong. Uh, my sister accidentally poisoned herself once and she, she was saying, come, call me, call me, call me, come to the house. Something's wrong with, and then she said the sister's name. And he calls up five minutes later and says, what's wrong with that particular sibling? And they were able to save her. So, wow. you know. That and we got to witness that, but if we ever asked about it, they really didn't talk about it that much. So there was that intuitive level allowed in our family, but we were raised religious. You were so raised religious. Um, I became interested in the. It, they were very religious. They were Catholic, yeah, yeah. and you know there really isn't room for so-called psychic abilities, but there's room for miracles. You know, because a lot of the Catholic saints are purported to do miracles in order to become saints. But anyway, um, as as I was growing up, I had a lot of experiences that I sometimes shared with people, and sometimes I did not, including out-of-body experiences. And so I started, once I was away from home, I started to visualize a place where I would get my training because I knew I needed spiritual and psychic training. And you have to understand in the 60s and 70s, this generation that came through were very, very psychic and, and highly spiritual. And we were all looking for the places we needed to be taught. Some people went to gurus in India yeah. and many of us uh, went to California. I, w I grew up in Michigan. So I, I left my family and came to California and kind of did stuff for a bunch of years until I found my uh, teacher, which was the same, happened to be the same teacher that Michael had. Right. And so I came through a different doorway than he did. He came in very young. He was like 20. I was 30. Sorry, so I've got all the animals around me. You're the animal whisperer. I've got two uh, two magpies sitting outside. The next door neighbor uh -huh. knocking at the door. They're they all coming me. to listen to you. <laughs> like I'm getting surrounded by animals. Um, so look, your story speaks of this, you know, soul contract that you and Michael have. You know, let's, yes. let's go do this together. We'll find each other somehow, some way. We'll find each other, even yeah. with missed opportunities. Like we'll meet up as kids, and then we'll know each other. But, you know, obviously free will here on earth. Your parents yeah. go, we're going to Japan. Nope, we're going somewhere else. But 
yeah. another plan fell into place. Well, if that plan didn't work, there'll be another one. Um, it's fascinating, don't you think? Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, it was it was really special. And I we didn't get together at the beginning because he was actually my teacher um, when I was going through my clairvoyant training. And um, we were both married to someone else. So it, it took a little time for us to kind of realize what was going on and, and change our lives in order to be together. But we've been together um, 30... 33 years or something like that, married 27. Wow. So it's, it's been a long haul and all of our time together has been spent with our spiritual teachings. Yeah. And the spiritual yeah. work that we do together. It's And and it's what we plan on doing until we're done. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah, the agreement, isn't it? Uh, but, you know, yeah. with your parents, you said that they were uh, open to psychic. But don't you think that everyone has them? They just, but they might not have, a plan to use them, activate them, remember them when they're physically focused. I think that's changing. I think everyone that comes to the planet now has that plan. But back then, yeah. as you say, in the 50s, mm-hmm. 40s, 30s. Well, everybody does have psychic abilities. You can't really be living in a body without using your psychic abilities. Exactly. It's just that, you know, you put labels on something yeah. like psychic and, and people have an idea of, you know, psychic means, uh, you know, uh, one of those ladies with the, um, you know, the hand in the window and the turban and the crystal ball. And some of those psychics are actually quite good, but some of them are scammers and so on and so forth. But, um, Psychic really means, and I imagine Michael might have already said this already on your show, it means of the soul, soul abilities. So your ability to really tune into um, spirit and the ways that you can do it. And there's so many different ways to tune into spirit and everybody does it. It's just, if someone, it's, it's like if you were born with uh, abilities to play piano because you've had other lifetimes to play piano, but this wasn't a lifetime you necessarily were interested in playing piano. So you go off to do something else, and maybe piano is a hobby. Other souls will come in with, with a very strong interest in advancing their piano abilities. And they, um, I noticed the saying, our internet connection isn't too great. So let me know if, yeah. if, it, if I The internet am connection not, is not, not yeah. right. You keep sticking so we're talking about everyone having psychic ability sorry everyone we had a few uh, internet issues um yeah but not everybody is uh aware of them but everyone's well they're not aware yeah not they they not they're not necessarily not aware of them they just don't want to acknowledge that right um everybody has those times when they go to knock on the door of their boss or something like that and then they go well maybe i shouldn't bother them that's intuition that's a form of intuition or when they get a feeling of you know something's going to happen today that or um i should do such and such in order to um, fulfill this feeling i'm having if i don't do it it's going to be bad kind of thing Mm -hmm. so we follow those things all the time sort of unconsciously um i love what bill bennett did you talked about bill bennett's movie pgs intuition is your personal guidance system Mm -hmm. where he talks about when he opened up for the first time to a voice um when he was almost killed in a car in a car truck crash i had a very similar thing happen 
but I had no trouble listening to that kind of a voice because it never it it never led me astray, so to speak. So um, when a person starts to become interested in their abilities, they can start to develop them. Absolutely. Some people come in with more already intact. Yeah. Um, and that's because they've already developed them in other lifetimes and they get to have them in the, in the next lifetime where they want to continue to develop. Them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of their yeah. plan. Yeah. Because when we come into this earth environment, one of the rules is we forget, right? We don't know who we are. And then we're kind of, we're kind of limited to our extrasensory perception, which gives us more of a clue of what we're doing. And um, that's, right. that's the game, isn't it? The game of life. It's like, okay, you're going to go down there and forget and then try and remember. So I guess that depending on what you've done in other lives, uh, you allow yourself to be more in touch with your inner guidance system, personal guidance system, as, um, as Bill calls it. So yes, what was it like? When did you start? knowing that you were communicating with animals like i suppose i think most kids know they communicate with animals don't they you see little kids chatting away to their cats you know like having a lovely conversation or their dogs yeah yes well it was a sort of a different circumstance for me because um having been raised in a very large family i had six brothers and two yeah. sisters and a mom who worked a full or a part-time career most of the time uh, there was no room in our family for pets. Aww. And I always dreamed of having a dog. Yeah. And I finally got one when I was in my uh, kind of mid, mid-20s. mid And um, then I started going into my spiritual training after I got her. And, well, I'll have to tell you kind of the circumstances. First off, one of the things was, now Michael says – our teacher did not say this, but I heard him say this one time. He was one of the ones that would say, and remember, this is the mid-80s. He would say, animals don't have souls, but you know, humans are evolving souls. Well, I never agreed with that. Right. But um, there was no such thing in the mid-80s or early 80s, excepting way in the background, um, nobody had coined the term animal communication yet. So that was not something I was looking for. It wasn't something I knew about. So, but I was going through my spiritual training. And one of the things that had happened a little bit before I started my spiritual training was I was moving again (laughs) from uh, San Jose, California, uh, over the mountain range to San Jose, California. And um, I had my first incarnation of Shanti, whose name was Raya. She was half German Shepherd and half Coyote. So she was half wild dog, but she was a sweetheart. She looked like a German Shepherd, but was shaped like a Coyote, which was funny. Um, she was, I was driving a Chevy long van. It's quite a large truck, and it has no windows on the side, excepting for the, the passenger and the driver. So I'm driving along over just, just having gone over the mountain pass, and um, there's a situation up ahead where somebody was dead in the water, so to speak. Their, their car was stopped on the fast lane of the freeway. And what I, I didn't know at the time was it was a handicapped guy. His car died and he could do nothing. He was sitting there dead in the water. So I'm going along and I see this guy. 
and I'm, I know that I have to be careful because he stopped and I, I could see he was in the car and we didn't have cell phones. So there wasn't any picking up a phone and calling 911 or anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm driving along and Sean, uh, Raya was right behind my seat, not tethered to anything. She was just on the floor because it was a, it was a cargo van. There weren't seats back there. And so she was laying back there and I heard, this is where I heard a voice just like Bill did before his accident. Yeah, yeah. The voice said, hold on tight to your steering wheel and look in your rear view mirror because that's the only way I could see what was happening to the left of me because I was looking ahead at the moment. So I grabbed onto the wheel and I looked and I saw this flash of white and it wasn't a white light from heaven <laughs> by any means. Um, it was actually a truck that was larger than my big van careening toward my van, towards the side of my van. And what had happened was is this guy had, had made a turn and was coming about 75 miles an hour and didn't see the guy dead in the water. And I was just about to pass that guy kind of like this. You know, here's the guy dead in the water and I'm about to pass him on the right. Uh -huh. And this other guy's careening along, and he has a choice. He's, he's either going to roll over this car, or he has to hit my car. So I was, mine was a truck, and his was a truck, so I had a little better chance of surviving it than because he would have killed the guy in that car. So he hit my truck, and where he hit it was right where Raya was laying. Oh. And he hit it so hard, the whole panel went inward. And he hit me so hard, his car kind of careened off my car, went backwards, and ended up on the other side of the freeway facing in the other direction. That's how hard he hit me. But since I was holding on to that steering wheel really, really tightly, yeah. my car didn't roll over because vans are a little top-heavy and they can roll. Yeah. So, of course, I pulled over and I had slammed my head on the window, so I was a little, you know, seeing sparkles and everything. And... I didn't even think about Raya until I saw her trying to climb out the window, which was only opened about that much. So I went running back to my damaged car and, and uh, you know, calmed her down and everything. I didn't know if I knocked, if she was knocked out or whatever. But a day or two later, she ended up having intense epileptic attacks. Oh. And I think she had a neck injury or something where it was so bad that she started having them every, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I thought she was going to die. And, and I, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I was in my very early 20s. And so I took her to the vet and they put her on medicines and so forth. So fast forward to the time period where I'm, I'm now living in a home where uh, I'm going, I had found the Institute. That's a big story, the Psychic Institute, where both Michael and I met and where I got my training. And I'm learning all these tools. But, and but, but even on... Up a little bit, did she survive? She survived the accident? She did, yes, she survived it. We got her on medication. And she was still having about five minor, not such grand mal seizures, but she's still on the medication. And they told me she was only going to live seven years because the medication is so harsh it was going to kill the liver wow. on her so it was a kind of a harsh situation so here i am getting my training and one of the things i'm learning to do is give healing right so one day i was at home and raya comes to me she started coming to me because you know i, I was giving her healings just as practice you know i'm going to give my dog a healing 
And one day she came and her eyes were starting to look like she was going to have one of her seizures. So, and she said to me very clearly, I'm about to go out, help me. And I, I heard it. So I sat with her on the floor and grounded her and the seizure only was a little bit and I was able to stave most of it off. And then after that, she started with my healing. Yeah, that's right. So after that, she started coming to me every, when I was home, every time she was going to have a seizure. And then we started having more and more and more communication. And it was spectacular because I would be sitting there doing something and I could hear her go, help mom, help me. I'm, I'm getting in trouble here. So I'd go on the floor and sometimes I could stave it completely off. And sometimes we would have to go through it together, but I was able to bring her in and give her healing and help. And over the years, um, she had so much healing on this that she eventually got off the medication and stopped having seizures. And it's it's quite a great story, but that was my first experience. And, you know, to hear people say animals don't have souls. And I even thought I had read that in the Alice Bailey books, which were one of my very early beginnings when I was in my teens, that, you know, they were saying animals don't have souls. But I found later that she actually did talk about animals having souls. But to have the attitude about animals that they are souls that are our younger brothers and sisters we are we are to be guiding them just like the masters of wisdom and our spiritual guides are guiding us at least the ones the animals that are starting to evolve you know they're coming out of the wild they're working with human beings and they're getting um, training and uh, touching in with human energy and learning about service So, I don't know. I think the animals teach us, you know, they teach us about loyalty and unconditional love. They teach us so much. I think they're our teachers. But let me get back to her speaking to you. When you heard her voice, did it sound just like your own thoughts or was it a, like, did it have a voice, like, a, like somebody's voice? Well, it was a combination. It was... It was like a voice. It was like a little girl's voice. Right. But not a tiny girl, like a, I would say like a 12-year-old's voice. Yeah. You know, and I still yeah. had that youthfulness to it. Um, but there was also, um, because I'm clairvoyant, I see pictures. Yeah. So sometimes if someone's wanting to communicate with me, if they send me a thought in a picture, I get it pretty, pretty well. Right. And so she would send me the picture sometimes if she was in another room. Oh, I'm getting in trouble. And I'd go in there and find that she's kind of, starting to do that thing um but some lot oftentimes she would come to me and she would just give me that look and so uh, i started doing little uh, psychic healing experiments on her like for instance one time uh she came to me she looked at me and she started sneezing and couldn't stop and i could see another being had climbed into her head and I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Because she's, she was epileptic, the, the kind of ne- energy, what I call the neural net energy around uh, her head was kind of damaged. So sometimes beings, other beings, kind of astral beings that come and go nice. could get stuck in there. Kind of so the, the matrix was sort of yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. From, from the original accident. And I was healing, you know, we were working on healing that. Right. But 
it still was a little, you know, fragile spot. So once in a while, a being would come in and she started sneezing and I started getting critical because it was a two or three minutes of sneezing. And I'm going, this cannot be healthy. So I sat her down and she's achoo, achoo, achoo like this. And I just took my finger and put it on her forehead like this. And I brought her back in and kicked out that other being. She stopped. She stopped the sneezing. And she's like, thanks, mom. And she left. So she went in the other room and went, okay, I'm okay, I'm good. You know, just like a teenager. So what was her name again? Um, Raya, R-A-Y-A, Raya. Raya, nice name. Uh, in that, when I say what was her name in that incarnation. So how long did she live with you? How long did she stay in her physical dog body with you? Well, she was with me for 12 years. And then my life circumstances, because of continuing my training at the Institute, uh, and my inability to have time for her toward the end of her life, I, um, I had actually gone through a divorce. Yeah. And I called my ex-husband and said, do you want her? And she, he had her for the last two and a half years of her life. So she did not die at seven years like was predicted. She actually lived 14 and a half years and had a very, very good life. And, and she got to complete her cycle with him, which I was very happy about. So did she continue to communicate with you telepathically while she was living with your ex-husband? Um, not much, but that's part, this is the really charming part of this story. Um, when it came for her to time to transition. pass over, yeah. transition, I had a dream. Right. And now I hadn't been in touch with my ex for a while. You know, it wasn't, all, it wasn't such a great it split up and plus he was with someone else and I didn't want to disturb him. Yeah. So, and I knew I, I would tune in with her and I find that she's fine. And she would always say hello back to me. If I, if I let my heart touch her heart, she would always say hello back. So she never forgot me yeah. in that incarnation. But the night that she died or that uh, apparently they put her down, she got into some kind of trouble and, and they ended up putting her down. Um, I dreamed, I woke up in my astral holding this dead dog and I knew it was my dog and, and I knew it was time for her to be, to go over. And I guess it was my turn to take her up to where dogs go. Now, a lot of people talk about the rainbow bridge and I see that space, but I didn't experience it in this dream. I woke up actually at the foot of, um, you know, those Greek temples with mm -hmm. the big white columns and the beautiful, all white. And there was a man standing uh, halfway down the stairs, ready to receive her. He looked like a medical doctor of all things, mm -hmm. you know, with the, with a medical doctor outfit on and pens in the pocket. And I'm standing there holding her. And I remember saying to him, um, this was a really amazing dog soul dog. Um, please advance her if she if she's taking the next steps because I didn't know much at, at that time about how animals evolve. So this this was a lesson I had to learn, which is quite an interesting story. So I said, please advance her to the next step, whatever that is for this soul. Uh -huh. And I and he just said, give her to me, and he, he did not reply. It was like, uh -huh. it was all business. And so. Uh, that's, that was the ending of that. And the next morning I woke up and, of course, I called my ex directly, picked up, thank heavens. And I said, did Raya die last night? 
And he said, yesterday, yes, she did. Now, how do you know that? And I said, come on, you know, you've lived with a psychic for a long time. I know. A you know I'm I had dreamed about it last night, and uh, I just want you to know she had a good passing. And he said, yes, she, she did die. And um, just a little thread to the next incarnation, um, when I met and, and fell in love with and married my husband, he's Japanese, and I became very interested in a Japanese breed of dog called the Akita. Oh, it's a yeah. dog that originates from the Akita province of oh, Japan. They're beautiful. They're, they're a beautiful dog, but they are, it was her most difficult of the three lifetimes and the most challenging. But, you know, but they let, are. Let me, just, let me ask you before we get to life number two. Did okay. she communicate with you from spirit? She did. Okay. And, uh, in a number of ways. She, usually she came in my dreams and after each lifetime when she's passed over, she has communicated to me through dreams. And I'm not talking about, you know, where you're sort of visualizing things. I'm talking about when you're fast asleep and you're aware of your astral and you're there. So the, the, of course, the strongest one was her passing over one and me asking her to advance as a soul. Right. And then I was becoming interested in the Akita dog, and I remember having kind of a, an awareness in the background that this was a more advanced soul type of body, wow. and it was, and that um, she was, even though she was half coyote as Raya, yeah. she was very happy-go-lucky. She was a lot like a German shepherd. She was great with kids. I could, you know, she never bit anybody, even though she threatened to, she never, ever bit anybody. And Akitas are different. You have to raise them with, with a firm hand and you have to be the alpha dog. And when I raised Raya, I was a hippie girl and I, I tried to raise her with a leash, but she didn't like it. So she never was on a leash. And so this next lifetime she was creating was going, going to be very challenging for her because it was in a quote unquote more advanced body. And there were lots of lessons learned there. and. Um, so because she, she was coming into this other body, she was preparing for it. So I would have dreams about this and, um, Michael, Michael's the one that quote unquote bought her for me. You know, we don't really <laughs> like the idea of buying and selling animals, yeah. but how they come into your life, sometimes you have to pay money for them when you see yeah. they're the right soul and all that. But, but I even had... So I just that that's just what you've said. The more advanced body, I've never contemplated that before. That there would be different bodies that would be more suitable to different levels of soul development in animals. Yes, it just I'd never had that thought before. So this conversation's like wow, because when you look at those types of dogs like huskies and akitos, you, you know they. And, and German shepherds too, they look really human. Like they just, they're like, they just, it's really different from other types of dogs, maybe yes. little smaller breeds, but uh, yeah, wow. So that was beautiful aha moment. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to back up and make a comment about this comment because it takes a lot for a dog soul to go from the wild to interacting with humans. Right. It's, and it's a big step for a soul to do this. So regardless of if they're a little teeny dog or a big one, it's not that the bigger dogs tend to be more advanced souls. It's more kind of the, just like with humans, 
the genetic makeup of the body, the, the makeup of the soul that's coming in the body and how they're going to handle the challenges. So let's say a, a less advanced human soul would be coming into a body that maybe uh, would, their life is all about learning to survive. Instead of, let's say, coming into a body where the family has access to technology and all these other things that are going on now, and not necessarily that technology equals higher soul evolvement. It doesn't always at all. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, where a soul can be more aware of the world around them and so on and so forth, whereas some souls, they live, you know, in a small isolated village somewhere. I mean, there's places like that around the world mm. where they're beautiful people, they're beautiful souls, they're just as capable as you and me, but their soul track is still in the phase of just learning to survive on this planet. And that's what's being passed down from father to son and mother to daughter, how to survive, how to get by, how to keep a family unit together. And then um, as a soul has enough of those lifetimes, then they go on to have other kinds of experience, including experiences, including spiritual and psychic development, which is much later on. So with animal souls, they're like our younger brothers and sisters. If, if we all have had these earlier lifetimes as animal souls. Now an animal soul, a human soul can't de-evolve into an animal soul. It doesn't usually okay. happen. Okay, that's really interesting. Say that again, because that's a question a lot of people ask. You know, they say, yeah, can you go back? You know, like, do you, are you evolving out of an animal soul to a human soul? Can you go... Because I don't know, it sort of seems like being a dog or a cat, especially a cat hanging around in the sun all day and being fed, it'd be a lot easier after having a hard life as a human. You're like, if I'm going to come back, I'm going to be a cat next time. <laughs> that is that is the human ego talking, yes. <laughs> the soul works very, very hard for all the hard experiences they have to go through. And um, usually if there's a human soul on an animal, it's usually stuck. It's a soul that got stuck in an animal's body, not that was born through like the animal mother and that sort of thing. So um, we, you know, we're all evolving and not, and part of it is the level of, uh, I don't know, cognizant and intelligence that we're allowed to have. And animals are very, very intelligent, mm -hmm. but you sit your dog down at a computer and you're never going to teach them how to use it unless you have a, a dog that's so genius that, you know, they can figure things out. Now they did that a little bit with Coco, the uh, gorilla, I believe I was it was. About Coco. You just picked yes. up on my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, they, these animals are ones that are getting more and more ready to, to start to incarnate in human bodies. But there's another thought here I want to put out there. And that is, I'm aware that for a, some beings who, you know, go through the track of, the animal incarnational process is sometimes they go to planets or places where that particular animal is the one that, that sort of comes up to the surface, let's say a feline, will come up to the surface as the humanoid. Only it would have, it wouldn't have the kind of features we have, it would look more feline, kind of like in that very popular movie Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've spoken had to the people. feline features. Yeah, I've spoken to people so, who had lives as, um, or or they've got guides as um, feline, lion-looking beings that are very intelligent, exactly. super highly intelligent, and and then there are many people that have discussed many types of dog-looking 
humanoids and all sorts of you yes. know, extraterrestrials with animal type features. It's lions, lots of things, tigers. Yeah, mm -mm. fascinating. So, right, yeah, where were we? So we were talking about the animal evolvement. So sometimes they stay, let's say, um, at the beginning when, you know, we all separated from God and this whole thing got created in the first place uh, and the souls were more animalistic to start with. Um, if, a, let's say, a wolf in the wild, a real wolf in the wild would have many, many hundreds, maybe even thousands of wolf lifetimes, Mm -hmm. And um, eventually, you know, one day comes in contact with the humans and starts to have that very, very early domestication. And domestication is to help them overcome the animal nature. And we all have that bit of animal nature in us that we're always trying to overcome. You know, right. we're, not, we're wanting to not overeat because we're hungry all the time or, you know, be greedy about things. Because animals, a lot of animals like wolves and coyotes and so on, they're very opportunistic. They'll take what they see is theirs to take. And there's yeah. no consideration about why. Yeah, and, and, and so, hierarchy too. There's a lot of hierarchy. Like, yes. Yeah. My daughter lives in the country with goats and like there's lots of sort of like if the goat is, you know, a little bit lame, the sort of other goats kick it out and it just like doesn't care. They sort of, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, and I think that's where the whole survival of the fittest thing came in. But it's not just survival of the fittest. There's the souls, even the soul that gets in that goat body that gets kicked out is learning something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is learning, is learning, is still in that survival learning process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, on a planet like this where there are, homin you know, humanoid beings, that's us, um, and others, you know, who knows the ETs. I don't know if they ever have pets or not. But uh, we've been... We, it hasn't been through all history that humans were in touch with animals in any soul kind of way. Right. It was first, you know, a survival thing where humans were sharing the food on the, you know, on the garbage dumps and that sort of thing. And, and then where the animals came and started volunteering, their services such as um, the guarding dogs and, and the, the animal guarding dogs and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, the evolvement is slow. And just as it's slow for us, you know, we can't speed this thing up until we really start to wake up and start to become aware of how everything works and what karma is. Karma is the biggest lesson of, of human beings, which is learning forgiveness. Mm. Okay, we're learning forgiveness. Now, the animals that dom domesticize and come in touch with us help to remind us of this, but they're also learning that same lesson in other forms. Sometimes they're brought to humans who beat them and, and fight them with each other and do terrible things with them, which isn't good, but it's, it's still a symbiotic learning process for both humans and dogs. And until there's, you know, there's no more humans that need to learn the lesson on the, on the place of not doing that. There are dog souls that are volunteering to come in for that. And, you know, there's a lot of human beings that are rescuing animals and teaching the, teaching the dog owners this is not a good thing, you know, because there are some basic lessons that many people haven't learned yet, such as don't fight your dogs. It's not, it's not a good thing to do because these, yeah. are, these are souls too. Don't neglect your dogs. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I want to ask you something. I when I do a lot of readings with people, I speak to a lot of star seeds too, who are highly evolved yes. souls who have really opted not to be on planet Earth and they've spent lifetimes or experiences in other dimensions on other planets, whatever. And when they have volunteered to come and be a part of, you know, what's happening on Earth at the moment, they've dipped their toe into the earth physical water so to speak as an animal to sort of get used to acclimate to the um physicalness of human what it is like to be here on this earth realm and also to sort of slip into uh because it's 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 kind of easier being an animal in many ways than it is uh, a human because you're not sort of fraught with all these negative thoughts that we get you know caught up with and um, so they might kind of dip their toe into the earth school or earth experience as an animal and then incarnate as a, as a human to do their mm -hmm. work, what they're here to. Do you find that as well? Um, well, I haven't come across that, but I, it makes sense. It definitely <laughs> makes sense that a being would do that because once in a while you will see animals doing, you know, coming out of the woods and doing incredible acts and then disappearing. Um, there's many, many, many stories about that. And so I, I can't deny it's a possibility that a, another being, remember I talked about the transmediumship of my dog, that's what I call it, the mediumship when that net in her case was broken, beings could come in, but in her case it wasn't another animal, it was some human soul that was lost. Um, but that uh, another being, like for instance, cats, cats in particular, can channel beings and they can channel human beings uh, our cat merlin will sometimes be sitting there and all of a sudden there's this chinese master that's one of michael's guides will come right into his head and will be looking at us and and his whole demeanor changes and and so we say hi to him and and he's just taking a peek into the world so in that case yes i guess we have had that experience but more yeah. with guides I'm then we sure have my cat's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're from an alien place to start with. So yeah, yeah. And, and that um, you know, there's been so much evidence that's been brought forth. Um, David Wilcock talks about this a lot in, in his ET books, where there are beings, and and I have actually been exposed to this for a very long time. There are beings that, um, you know have completely different kind of bodies not even the hominid with the head and arms and legs and so forth like the the ones that look like um what are they called uh not walking sticks but whatever those oh, ones are mantises. 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 there's ones that look like mantis because their species evolved into yeah. into far enough to have the higher intelligence and all absolutely. that absolutely absolutely yeah, so, yeah um it's it's definitely something that happens but i don't think an alien any kind of alien being would do a whole lifetime in the body of a cat or a dog it would i would probably burn them out right. but a temporary maybe uh like this master that comes in our cat sometimes and, and just looks at us through his eyes. You know, they can do that. Yeah. Michael tells this wonderful story. when do that too, you know. I'm, I, there's so many stories of people who've lost loved ones and then some bird will just sit and stare in the window. And, yes. And um, the person will say, I'm pretty sure that's Frank who died or Fred or whatever, you know. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, I've had that experience as well. And Michael tells a wonderful story about when he was in, um, 
think it was Egypt, and uh, his he was about to do, or his friend was about to do some baptisms on there because it was a, a group uh, trip. And the man put his hand in the water to, to do the baptisms, and an earthquake happened the second he put his hand in. And all of a sudden, these hawks came running, flying overhead. So Michael wanted to, he, Michael was meditating somewhere else on a rock. So he decided he would go inside the head of one of the hawks to see what they were looking at because they were right over Richard, who was doing these baptisms, his friends, his friend. And so he, he goes into the hawk's head, but he said it was sort of like when you accidentally walk into a, a toilet that's occupied. He said there was another being in there that wasn't the hawk, but it was a monk that was meditating somewhere that was inside this hawk. So then, uh, so he went, whoops, oops, sorry. And he came out and he was looking and he didn't see anything that necessarily more than what he was looking at from the rock. So he got back out of his body or back into his body. And they, after they did the baptisms, which he said were quite energetically profound. I wasn't there for this particular trip, but he talks about this with great fondness. They get back to their hotel and they had an invitation from a monastery, and it was 40 monks who were calling them in. So Michael actually sent his friend Richard, who was actually doing the baptisms, because usually Michael did them. Um, he sent Richard to the monastery, and this turned out to be a group of monks, monks not too much later that got uh, killed by the Chinese. So it was all kind of an interesting circle of events that went on. So, you know, you can, a, a, a very psychically capable person can climb into the head of another being that's an animal because we're stronger in, in that way. So they but allow that. There has to be an agreement with the consciousness of the animal. Like, can I yes. just hop in your body for a second? <laughs> well, there is, but sometimes people do this unscrupulously as well. Oh, but, okay. you know, it, it, it depends on if you're... A, on the path of the light or the path of, you know, self-service. Right. So, you know, I don't even like bringing that up, but it does happen. Um, and usually those of us that are aware don't want to interfere with the animal's life unless it's necessary. Right. So um, one vivid memory. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you when it happened. It could have been as a child. It could have been in like, I don't know. I can't, there's no time attached to it. Of being a bird and like piggybacking in a bird's body and I have the visceral physical memory of the physical sensation of the sound of the wind as as I'm flying and the feeling mm. of the ruffles of my feathers and and having that bird's eye view and looking you know I, I you know as I think about it I can still go there like flying and seeing everything from that bird's eye view like it's this it's a strong memory and I think it was from a desire that we all have I wish I could fly I wish I could fly yeah. you know I wish I could fly I'd love to be able to fly I wonder what it's like to fly and of and I have so many dreams of teaching people how to fly in my dreams like just yes yes like physical body like I just really easy it's just like just lift and anyway but yeah it's just such a beautiful memory because it's there's so much physicality to the yes. memory, you know the, all those physical sensations so i was piggybacking in some bird's body i don't know astrally i don't it, know where. it happens yeah. well i had a 
I had a similar experience, not, not at all the same, but a similar type of physical experience like this with our cat Magic. Magic is oh. passed over in 2010. She's now reincarnated as our cat Mystic. But she, uh, we moved into our house in Colorado in 2000 and, or I'm sorry, in 1996. And Compared to our last house, this house was like a mansion to her. It was huge. Mm. And I remember having a dream where I was being a cat with her in our new house. And it was all fun and games until we decided to go out to the garage and hunt for bugs. And I, as, as a cat, I actually experienced the same thing what you're talking about, what it felt like to be a cat and what a joy it was and how much fun and how big the house looked because mm -hmm. this house had high ceilings and it was three stories and it was pretty big. And it was just like, oh, this house is a mansion. And I got to feel kind of her experience, but as her cat buddy. As a and cat so, buddy. so we went out to the garage together and we're hunting bugs and I found this big black bug and I had it in my mouth and then I woke up. And I'm like, you know, I'm feeling like I need to spit it out. And I cracked up. And later that morning when I went down to feed our cat, I went out to the garage to get something. And there's that exact bug I had never seen before. And oh, it was right there where I had caught it in my dream state. So, so. were you piggybacking <laughs> in some cat's body, like some neighbor's cat's body? Like, were you? Some... No, this, what I probably did was match her energy as a cat. Mm -hmm. And whatever memory I have of having maybe ancient times, million years ago, if I had incarnations as a cat, because we can, you know, we can change our, what we call our valence. And when I was in the cat body in my dream, I was a cat, but I was also me. So I wasn't thinking, golly, I have a cat body right now. <laughs> I was just being that cat right. for that little brief time. Okay. So it's very similar, but different. And it was, it was quite an experience and it bonded us because she remembered it too the next morning. And we're like, oh, good. We, we hunted bugs together. Isn't that fun? Oh, that is so cute. Oh, there's so many stories. I've got so many more stories to tell you. But okay, let's get back to, let's get back to the dog because we've gone through life number one and we were coming into life number two uh, as an Akito. She was an uh, Akita. 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 And uh, how long did she, what was her name as an Akita? Her name was Aiko, which uh, I named her that because she was so powerful. I wanted to give her a soft name, which meant uh, child of love or love child. Oh. And then later after she passed, I found out there was a second meaning to her name, which was much more appropriate to her actually, which was indigo child. Oh. She was very much... Uh, much more ADD, if you will. She, she, and she had, she was more like an Asperger's person. If she were, if she were a person, she would be Asperger's. Right. So she didn't like a change in routines. She was very powerful. There were, she had the programming of her brain was, had rules set that we had to really work with you know, don't pet me over my head or I'll bite you. So you have to let me sniff your hand. I mean, it was just a whole series of roles. It was, and she was extremely powerful in this body. So uh, she, this is her soul's choosing to have that experience yes. for its evolutionary benefit. 
Yes. Yeah. When I'm, as I'm writing about this particular lifetime, it's a choice she's given because I made that request when she died. Please advance yeah. her into a more advanced body. And they, you know, we always get to get a preview, and I believe animals do too, of the lifetime we have coming up, and then we get to forget it. And she got to be shown how difficult this life was going to be because it was going to be a lot more restricted. She couldn't, she couldn't be free in the sense of like a wild dog. Now, the one thing I do know about dogs like Huskies and Akitas and other big dogs is that there's some parts of them that are still much more wild dog than domestic. And as a soul, Shanti, yeah. or as a, show, as a soul, Raya was wanting to evolve much more on the, on the end of service, but she had to overcome the wild dog side. So she was half wild dog in the Raya body, but she had this happy-go-lucky German shepherd uh, level that, that kind of mellowed it out, although she could, be, she could be scary. She never, never, ever hurt anyone, but she could be scary if she wanted to. And when I went camping with Raya, yeah. she would be like a coyote. She right. would just completely change her personality out in the wild. So it, wow. when she goes the lifetime to be with me. When I started becoming interested in the Akita dogs, I wasn't thinking about that request I made for her to the, to the being that mm -hmm. please advance this soul. It was a lesson that we were both learning. Right. And my lesson was don't tell the, the spiritual masters what a soul needs or not. <laughs> yeah, they know. <laughs> that was my lesson. One of my lessons, but the yeah. other thing was, how to love an animal that was a little bit more dangerous to have. Right. You know, some people have, um, I don't want to badmouth pit bulls because there are some very wonderful pit bulls out there, but some of them are not trained right and they can be very dangerous dogs if they're not. And the same with the Akita. They are police dogs in Japan. Right. But let me tell you, they are 10 times harder to train than German Shepherds, which are the standard police dog in America. Yeah. So... You know, they are, you have to really be, learn to be an alpha being because in a dog pack uh, that has humans, the humans have to be the alpha. Otherwise, the dog runs the show. Okay. I didn't know that with Raya, but I was lucky she was mellow enough where she still was somewhat submissive, but still had her aggressive side. Aiko was very aggressive. She was dog aggressive. She was aggressive to people. So we did buco buco training, lots of training with her, but I could never trust her off a leash. And I got to the point where I couldn't let people touch her. And she had to love them. If they came to our house, she had to love them from across the room with me holding her on leash. So, you know, she had her freedom really, really restricted in this lifetime. But she also was extremely psychic and extreme. She, she had a heart of gold mm -hmm. and she was extremely loving. And there were a lot of very interesting, cool things that happened. One time she ran away and Ma Michael's mom who had just passed over, brought her back and tethered her in a way that it couldn't have happened except from a miracle. Um, I was, we were living so out in the way and Michael's she, mom who had just passed over. So her spirit, her spirit brought her back. Brought her back. How do you mean she tethered her? What do you mean by that? 
Well, she had her leash. What happened was, I'll just tell you the story because it's a fun story. <laughs> um, Michael was gone somewhere. Oh, yeah. He was with our friend James Von Prague, the, the medium that's yeah. in L.A. We're pretty good friends. And he was happened to be with James that day. In L.A., we were, I was in Colorado. And um, in Colorado, it's the, the eastern plains, and we get these big thunderstorms. And I was noticing one was coming, so um, it was time to take her out to go to the bathroom. So I said, okay, let's leash up and go. And we're walking, and there's a little incline like this, like this. And as we're walking up the little incline, I tripped, and I let go of the leash. And she just, she just bolted. Yeah. He took off and we have a 400 acre field next to our house at the time that had nothing on it. Yep. And she was gone before I could even get up on my feet. So of course I got in my car and drove around the neighborhood, but this field was, um, it was not built on, so there were no roads. And so I drove around the neighborhood. I told all the neighbors, look for this dog. She's got her as long as you can get a hold of her leash, you can control her. But, you know, I was a little worried because she was dangerous to strangers and I didn't want her biting anyone. So off she was. And um, I finally, after the third time around the neighborhood, I came home. I was crying and I said, I got to find my space. I stopped crying. I grounded myself and I got call Michael. So I called Michael and he was just finishing up with James and he thought when I was calling that I was going to say, you know, uh, something really bad happened. And, and it wasn't so bad. She just ran away. She wasn't dead or anything. And James in the background said, I, I, think, I think your mom is going to find her. And I went, okay, <laughs> okay. You know, I hung up the phone. And I went downstairs. Now, we had a big 25-foot uh, by 25-foot um, kennel outside that we built later for her. We had a temporary kennel because it hadn't been built yet. Uh, right next to the house, it, was, it wasn't very big. It was about 12 foot by, by six foot by eight foot. And um, it was on the ground and the thing weighed 500 pounds. So um, I don't know how to say it in English terms, but <laughs> 500 pounds, it's heavy. I can't lift this thing. And um, I went downstairs and I just, you know, thought, okay, I've got to find her somehow. And there she was. And she was right, she was sitting right next to that kennel outside of it. And I thought, that's strange. And I said, come here. You know, I tried and I opened the lower door so that she could come in, but she wouldn't budge. She just sat there like, so I very gingerly approached her because I was afraid she was going to run away again. And I saw that her leash was looped around the pole, the bottom pole of that kennel. Wow. And I looked at it and there was no way that could have happened. Oh, I mean, that's amazing. none of my neighbors were there. They would have knocked on the door to say, Hey, I found your dog. It's, she's out in the back. No, she somehow she got brought there and, and they put the leash on, on the outside of the kennel pole. That was, you know, the, one of the frame of the, frames of the kennel and I actually had to take the leash off of her and grab the, the part of the leash you know part of her leash that was on her neck to take her inside yeah. because you know, I couldn't lift that thing to get it off yeah so it was it was quite an experience yeah so she was brought back to me that you know, way talking about uh, what was her name again and her second incarnation 
Aiko. It's spelled A I K O. Aiko. Beautiful. Aiko. I love it. It reminds my daughter's dog. She's had to give her to a friend, but she's um, a blonde husky. And as a kid, she always asked me if we could get a wolf. And I said, no, I don't think so. Anyway, when she grew up, she found this husky at a shelter and the husky just went crazy when they met, like just tried to oh, yeah. jump over this 10 foot gate to try to get to Annika. And Annika's like, I guess I found my dog. But <laughs> <laughs> this husky is the same. If you let go of the leash, they just, he would hit off. And my God, how many times I had to, because I looked after her for a few months while she was overseas and, running after this dog and, and going home and waiting for someone to call me like this wildness in the dog that you were talking about. Um, yes. Just, just so reminds me of this husky. It's so fascinating what you're saying. And um, because like I said, Annika is a child. This is my daughter. She said, can I get a wolf? So there was that wildness in this husky and it looked like a blonde wolf. It just, just the husky looked yeah. like a blonde wolf still does. Still. Okay. So um, getting back to, so how long did she live in that body as the Akita? She only lived eight and a half years. And I found out later that that's all her mother lived as well. And it was, her passing was a, an interesting experience. You want me to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've been going well, for an hour already, but anyway, it's fascinating. I love it. All <laughs> right. Well, you just tell me if I'm going on too long here, but, um, Michael and I, at, at the time, this was before he started having all those heart incidences, oftentimes he would go someplace and then I would join him for the weekend events because he would go and give readings and I would do my thing at our house and take care of the animals. And then I'd join him for the weekends. So this is one of the, the times when um, he, he had gone ahead to somewhere, Sacramento, I believe, and I was to join him. And we had we went in two separate cars. and, and Colorado is a day and a half drive away from Sacramento where we were. So I was getting ready to, um, at the time, both of our pets, which was Magic and Ico. Magic was our cat and Ico was the dog. Um, we kept them in this giant kennel called Club Pet. And I think it still exists in Parker, Colorado, where they keep a lot of dogs. And um, before I took her over there, um, and, and before Michael left, actually, um, I was looking at her going, something is really wrong with this dog. Something is wrong with this dog. I it, she didn't look bad, but I just, it's just a feeling I got it, an intuition. So I'm not, you know, like a, uh, one of those kind of mediums that diagnoses illnesses or anything. I just get the sense, okay, there's something wrong here. And so, of course, what do I do? I take her to the vet. And, uh, and I kept telling them, something's wrong with this dog, something's wrong with this dog. So they examine her, they look in her ears, they look in her nose, they look in her mouth, they listen to her heart, they said, she's fine. You know, patted me on the back and said, don't worry about her, she's fine. So then I went to drop her and the cat off, and they're, they're, they go into separate sections mm. um, in this kennel. And they were good people, so I have no blame or anything on this. Uh, because I intuited something was wrong at the beginning, I knew she was, later I understood this was my warning that something was going on. Mm. So I dropped her off, and I started to pull my car out of this place. And I, one of my guides came and said, pull your car in and say prayer for your animals. And Now, they'd never asked me to do that before, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So I pulled in, 
and I asked for their safety and so you know the things you ask for 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 your animals and then I pulled out went home packed the suitcases in the car and started to leave and on the way toward the front range mountains that's the Rocky Mountains in Colorado you have to drive over to get to Sacramento there were a lot of clouds in the sky and I saw a version of Iko in a cloud dead. So I got my warnings, right? I was being warned something's going to happen. But at the same time, I think this was around 2003 because uh, we were just publishing Michael's, uh, our, our self-publishing version of Michael's book before it went with a real publisher. Mm-hmm. And we were, we had been on this trip. I joined him. We did, we did whatever work we were there to do. And I told him one day, I feel like we've been gone too long. We need to go back. And he said, please give me two more days because we were trying to finish the book cover. And so I did. And on the last day before we were to come back, I, I was sleeping, waking up in the morning, and I just saw that something had happened. In fact, the day before, um, while Michael was finishing his business, I was running errands, and I kept seeing the number 999 everywhere. And I know that number nine means completion. So I sat, I pulled my car over and I went, who, what, because that usually means somebody's going to die, right? And and I was going, okay, now if somebody's going to die, they're going to die, but I'd like to kind of sort it out in my space so I'm ready for it. And all I got was my dog. So I called the kennel and said, how's Iko doing? Because she was, she was, uh, had to be treated very special there because of her, you know, issues yeah and they they said well she's actually doing something very unusual and I said what's that and they said when we took her out for the walk the only two people in the whole kennel could walk her because of the way she was the head guy and his under you know the underling that was the manager the guy that owned the kennel and this is a kennel that could handle 200 animals so it's big so the, the, two, the two top dogs, a man and a woman, uh, were the only ones that, that she would let walk her anywhere. So one of them had to walk her. And, and it was the woman, and she said, I was bringing her back from walking, and she insisted to go to each employee in this place and kiss them on the hand. Now, this was very significant because when she was Raya, I had taught her not to kiss people on the face with her tongue, but on the hand. I had never given her that training as Iko. So she went around and she insisted. She went to every single employee and gave them all a kiss on the hand. And then um, the next morning, oh, so I, I went, okay. So she, it felt like maybe it would, might be her that this 999 thing was about. So I sort of prepared myself. And the next morning, I was awakened by the phone call that she had died in the night. And um, it was, as I woke up, I already saw that she had passed. So Lisa, Lisa, who is the name of the woman who I was just talking about, said, well, and I said, "Uh, something's going on with Iko. And I go, just tell me. It's okay. And she did. And, you know, she felt really bad and everything. And she said, I checked her at midnight. In the morning, she was gone. So she and just, just left her little body like no seizure or anything. 
no seizure. She didn't, she didn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. And of course, because I was traveling, it took us five days before we were back home, back there again. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it turned out we had to do more things and, and the, the uh, uh, people that had her body just said, we'll take care of it. What do you want me to do? So we, we took care of that over the phone and then I'd take care of the rest of it when we got back. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, I went into the deep grieving process which was very difficult, <clears throat> but kind of, I'd say a couple weeks in, I had this amazing dream about her. And I just told someone this story and started crying. So if I start crying, please. <laughs> oh, me. I've been bawling through this whole conversation. Oh. My eyes are just leaking. <laughs> oh. Well, I had three questions, three main questions when she passed. And one was, what time? Because I wanted to know if she had been you know, having trouble or anything before she, you know, in, you know, we worry about if they're in pain for any amount of mm. time, what time, what did she die from? And is she okay? Mm. So about two weeks in, I had this amazing dream. And in the dream, I'm su surrounded by a semicircle of very tall hedges, you know, like the plants, and they were way tall. If I stood up, they were taller than me, but I was sitting on a bench I'm surrounding, surrounded by this hedge that had an opening like a door. And this monk came in with her. She was off leash. She was never, except for the time she ran away twice. She was never off leash. She was off leash. She was semi-transparent version of herself. Her heart was this blazing white that just shone right all the way into the universe <clears throat> like this. And I could see sitting on that bench that she was in complete bliss and happiness. So that was, that was part, that part, is she okay? She was more than okay. The monk I recognize as a monk of New Skeet. And you, you may not have ever heard of the monks of New Skeet, but in New York state, they have um, a German shepherd, breeding. That's how they raise money. That's part of how they make money for their monastery. Oh. And I had raised Ico on their books. Oh, right. I had raised Ico on, on their books on how to raise a dog. So it made sense to me. It's like, oh yeah, the monks, you know, the ones that die that raise the German shepherds because they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. They're on the other side guiding the animals and spirits. So they, it was the monk that brought her around to me. And then a couple days after that, I had a dream that she died at 1248, so only 48 minutes after she had been checked, and that she'd had a, an aneurysm of the heart. Right. And I found out that her, that was what her mother died from, right. her, her mommy, doggy mommy. Yeah. That's what her doggy mommy had died from, because um, I had called the breeder and said, hey, she'll... And it turned out, this, this is a thing, big dogs often die way too soon. Right. So when, our, when she came back as Shanti and she lived 14 and a half years, um, that was a gift she gave us to stay with us a really long time. Let me ask you, even though you have all this awareness, mm -hmm. you still go through the grief when they leave their little bodies. Of course. It's, yeah. it's very human, isn't it? It's about letting go and, um, you know, we go through the... Uh, various processes. For me, it felt like losing a child. So yeah. I, even though I have stepsons who were with me from four and six years old, I never had children of my own. 
but we love our animals from, I, I say, from the heart chakra and from the second chakra, just like we love our children. You know, we feel them, we, we know them, we take care of them. It's a similar process of having children is, you know, except they never grow up into human beings. They just grow up into their full animal selves. You see, there's so much grief around the loss of pets. I think people grieve over them more than the loss of the humans because they're so, you know, unconditionally loving, even when they're difficult. Yes. yes. Uh, but I guess grief is a grief is a thought that you'll never see them or be with them again. Like it's a thought of separation where there is no separation really. Maybe, That's right. Maybe perceived separation for a short period of time. Because uh, mm -hmm. how long was it before she came back? as uh, incarnation number three. Yeah. yeah. Well, she died in April of 2002. Yep. She came back in November of 2002, getting herself born two days after my 50th birthday. Wow. And I found her in February of 2003. Wow. So that was quite a thing, very much. Um, I want to talk about, though, what you were just bringing up about grief because this was the hardest of the deaths that I've experienced of all, of all three of their incarnation was Ico's. Right. And part of it was because I wasn't there with her. Right. Part of it was um, there were things that I had wanted to do with her that I never did. Right. And yeah, um, yeah definitely. It, so, so there was, you know, I, there was sort of an uncontrollable, I've really lost something grief that I went through and Michael was taking me up to the Indian hot springs in the mountains once a week for months just to help me kind of get through it. And then one day we were following, I was following him on the way to a car dealership to get our cars serviced. And I started, I burst into tears and you know, this happens when you're in grief, you cry at the most inopportune moments. Right? So I went, you know what? It's been six weeks. I'm getting tired of this. I want to see what's what I'm actually looking at that makes me cry. And so I, I called up Michael because we had cell phones finally then. Yeah. And I said, take your car in. I'll be there in a few minutes. I pulled my car off. I went into meditation and I asked spirit, what is it I'm looking at that's causing me to cry all the time and, and kind of be so sad about her passing? Because I know she exists. I've seen her. And there's so many great things that happened between her Iko and Shanti incarnations yeah. that validated over and over again her spiritual existence. But it was more of a human thing. You know, it was, yeah. it was just this wrenching, you know, gut-wrenching grief thing. So I decided to look at it psychically. You know, yeah. it's, it's time for me to get, a, get myself under control about this. So I go into meditation in my car at a safe place. And I got would have, could have, should have. Mm. All the things I would have done with her, I should have done with her, I could have done with her, and I didn't. That's, it was, a, it was really not about her. It was about me. Absolutely. About the imperfection of myself as a dog mom, you know, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, it was like, okay, I used our tool of, all right, I'm, I created the image of a rose and all the things I could think of that I should have done with her, I could have done with her, I would have done with her just if she lived another day, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I put that in the rose and it took about a half an hour mm -hmm. to get that all out into the rose. Boom. I exploded the rose. It cleared up and I stopped. That was the last day I had that 
you know, just that kind of the heart pushing, the third chakra wrenching, the whole thing. That's you know, the grief that we all go through when we love our animals. So that's when I write my book, I'm, I'm going to include, you know, some of what I went through and, yeah. and how to get through grief in that way. Because usually, uh, if you notice, if someone anywhere close to us has an accident or dies or something like that, our ego looks for how it's our fault. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's my fault this happened. It's my, I didn't give her a good enough life or if I would have just Absolutely. filled in the blank. Absolutely. Yep. You know, I have, um, you've had the three dogs, I've had the three cats and they've all been black. But the oh, second no incarnation was 20 years long. She lived for 20 years and I used yes. to joke at her and say, you're too old, when are you going to die? You know, <laughs> and my daughter used to say, <laughs> You're being so mean, Mum. But I was kind of, I was joking. I wasn't like, but she was a very old cat. You know, cats don't normally live for 20 years. And um, when she did pass, I started guilting on myself thinking, maybe I, you know, was, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, even though I was joking, (laughs) maybe I should have patted her more. Or I I wouldn't say I was grieving. I was just beating up on myself because she was, yeah. She did for 20 years and she was gone and I was happy for her. <laughs> it wasn't yep. grieving, but I started beating up on myself. And, um, and anyway, she came back a couple of months later. I, I find this yep. little black cat in my garden. The next door neighbours brought her as a kitten. And so um, this cat, same cat, same soul, is just the cuddliest cat. She's normally all over me, but she's not today. I don't know, she's somewhere else. That guilt that I, maybe I should have patted her more. Maybe I should have done all this, you know, that I felt in the middle of her incarnations manifested in the third incarnation. And she's like the cuddliest cat. She just cuddles everybody, everyone. Like she's so cuddly. So it's really interesting. Yeah, with, um, with your shoulda, coulda, woulda, how did that manifest in the third incarnation as um, Shanti? Well, first off, she came into a body that was not um, alpha. She was a submissive to start with. So she came in and she, she was this beautiful, very touchable, you know, from the time she was pup, a puppy, everybody was touching and holding and cuddling her and laying on the floor with her. And um, she had, she got everything she did not get. She, I was not able to provide for her because of the way she was. She got it all. And including a long lifetime with us, which was pretty amazing. And even, you know, even though as her Ico self, she had that difficult Asperger's-y type of personality. When she was in spirit in between the lifetimes, I got tons of emails from people saying she showed up to help me with this child or several times with native american children which i thought was sort of interesting because i don't know any native american children but some of my people do mm. and they, they she would show up either in their dreams or in in the dreams of the person helping these native american children so and and a similar thing has been happening with shanti since she's passed where she's helping people and uh, one was quite a spectacular story, actually, uh, right after she passed as Shanti, which is so going to be part of How many years did she book. live as Shanti? 
she was Shanti for 14 and a half years. So great Pyrenees dogs usually live like the same amount of time as, as I, as Akita's. They're about eight to 10 years. She almost made it to 15. Sometimes they do. The last two years, she, she had that a similar problem that Michael has now with the learn, you know, she didn't have a voice, but she still could bark loud enough to, you know, with a, <laughs> she did it with her voice oh, wow. and she started getting uh, dementia as well. And it was interesting when she got really old and got dementia because she never lost her sweetness. She was never aggressive. She, you know, sometimes when people get dementia, they get real aggressive and mean yeah. and you know, it's, it's not their fault, but it's just the brain deteriorating. Mm. But uh, she was, she was her sweet loving self from beginning to end. It was such a pleasure and it's a similar story with our cat um, where the cat we had which was a tuxedo cat a black and white and we called her our ninja assassin cat she was you know she was a wild cat and then she came in to show us her beautiful side as mystic where mystic will actually stare at you and into your eyes until you turn your head away Cats don't normally do that. Yeah, my cat does that all the time. The third incarnation of my cat does that. The other one didn't. Yeah. I used to look at her and she immediately, the second, the second incarnation, because the first incarnation I only had for a short period of time, a little black cat. Yeah. And I was young teenager and backpacking and I left it with my dad while I went off backpacking around Europe. When I came back, I said, what'd you do with the cat? And he goes, oh, what cat? <laughs> <Completely>. <laughs> Just completely ignored the cat. The cat must have run away. I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> so, um, next, better luck next time, yeah. as Michael says, you know, <laughs> for very long. But um, yeah, this cat will stare and just until you, yeah, just stare right into your eyes. And I just look at it and think, exactly, exactly, just like alien. that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about so, how long ago did uh, Shanti leave her little body? She passed April 23, uh, 2017. So oh, about a year and a half. Beginning. God, I've got dementia. Okay. Um, are you going to get another dog? Well, before Shanti passed by about five months, she gave me a dream. Right. And the dream was quite very specific. So it'll be interesting to see if it happens because um, – it sort of seems like it's impossible, but the, you know, com her coming in, she showed me a vision of her coming in as a white dog after Ico wow. in a meditation once. And, and then all these people, all our psychic friends were writing us letters about that. Yeah. But um, as Shanti, uh, about five months before she passed, I woke up in a dream. You know how you're just really wide awake in a dream. And I'm in this beautiful house that I know is very, very English you know, like England English. Mm. And it's all white. It's white carpets, white walls, no furniture in the house. Or what little furniture there was, like along the edges, all white, everything white. And I'm walking through this house, and then there's these really big dogs, all of them white. And I could tell you some of the breeds. Some of them I didn't know what breeds they were, mostly big dogs. And I'm walking along it, through this beautiful English house with lots of sun coming in. And there's a, is a sort of a second level. It's not like a you go up 20 stairs. It's like five stair, stairs. So I come up to this, and there's a big, this big white dog. And I didn't know what kind of dog it was. I do now. But a big white dog that, that had lots of hair. And 
when I walked up to it, because it was up so far, we were face to face to each other. And I'm looking at this dog, and it was all white, front to back. And I'm going, you're Shanti, and you're a male. And it was like this smug look from this dog. Now the dog, you'll recognize the breed as soon as I describe it. It had all the hair over its eyes, and it had this cute little button eyes and not very big ears. And it was all white from what I could see from my view. But I woke up from my dream, and I realized that was her telling me this is who she's going to be next time. And it's an old English, English sheepdog. But, of course, when I looked them up, I, I just told Michael, it looked like, you know, that dog in the Disney movie, Shag, the Shaggy Dog. That's what they call them, Shaggy Dogs, because of their, the way their fur is. And, but they don't come in all white. There is an all white version that's in Poland or something, and they're aggressive like Akita's. So, and they're, they're not in the US. So somewhere, somehow there's a white Old English sheepdog that's gonna come to me. And if it has any of that gray color on its back, it'll probably be really pale. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that it, you know, the whole house was white and all the other dogs were white, it was the white thing was really, really emphasized. So I'm, I'm going to stick with okay. that one. So um, that, getting back to the 999, so you said that nine is completion. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've got a, a girlfriend, Ananara. She's been on in the Inner Sanctum, a sound oracle. She's like obsessed with the white animals that are incarnating on the planet, like all these, you know, albi- albino, yes. yeah, like, mm-hmm. like the white buffalo, and that the, that they're a sign of the coming of the new age. And so, so maybe that's what she was telling you. She's coming in as one of those, uh, like a, I don't know, like evolved, evolved. I don't know. Can can an evolved soul be inside an animal body? I guess that's what I'm saying. But an evolved human soul or an evolved? Well, an evolved soul soul, yeah. Uh, well, the absolutely, you know, the animal souls that are evolving. Now, um, of course, it would sound very racist if we said, you know, the highest evolved or the white ones or whatever. But for some reason, this is what I'm seeing with, with my dog soul that's been my companion. Yeah. Um, that... She went, when she was the Akita, she had a black face and black and gray and white fur in the back. Right. And she had a big curled back tail. As Shanti, she was, she was born with a little bit of tan on her little ears, but she ended up pure white with the big curled back tail again. Right. And um, Old English sheepdogs, some of them do not have tails. So she had two lifetimes of beautiful tails, so she might come in without a tail this time. But as far as the white, I, I've noticed that too, the white buffalo, the white, I think some albino deer yeah. that was recently born. And, and the white buffaloes have been kind of showing up in more than one place. Yeah. So, and the, I, whales, I, the white whales, they're beautiful. Yeah, the white whales and the oh. white dolphins. That's right. So it could be a sign of something, but, um, you know, it's... Now- it's just there's, the color. there's an animal, um, I guess you call them animals, that we perceive them, but that are at advanced souls. Like dolphins are much more advanced than yes. most human souls um, and whales. In I some suppose. ways, yeah. In some ways. Maybe, yes. uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about hierarchy, maybe just different. Maybe yeah. just different experience rather than advanced. Because, you know, as humans, we tend to sort of put everything in hierarchy good, better, better, best, right. and it's just different. Right. Like different. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
Mm. So, oh, beautiful. I suppose, where are we? 7.30. Um, oh, there's so much more to say. Um, so you'll be looking out for, for incarnation number four. Right. And I'm not going to force it because the last time she came to us, it was in the middle of a move and that's what we're in the middle of right now. Oh, really? And this house we're moving into has a, has a lovely yard that's fenced. We've never had a fenced yard for, the, for Shanti's entire life. So with her, even though she was a very good dog, she still had that runaway thing. And yeah. she did run away one time when somebody left the door open. And that's a, that's a, actually a hilarious story. And we got her back, of course. Yeah. But when I took her out to go to the bathroom or anything, she always had to be on leash. So it, it wasn't when I had, when we were here with her, if we went outside for anything, we had to be with her. It wasn't just let the dog out to the backyard and ignore it kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. she was with us during the times we were not traveling. She was with us 24-7 in and out. So it was, it, it was a tremendous lifetime and just so many things, amazing things happened, including her going through with us through Michael's many heart issues that happened. You know, I wanted to talk to you about this. I think we might have to do another show. Like what's it like <laughs> two psychics living together? Cause there's so many stories there. You know, I, I I've seen Michael talk about one of his um, near-death experiences where he's in an ambulance and you're driving either behind or in front of the ambulance and you behind. see him up in the sky and you go, get back in your body or I'll kill you or something funny like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he makes a joke about that. But what I was really saying is you can't leave yet. But yeah. he, he makes a joke about me saying, if you die, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but I didn't really think that at all. <laughs> But I did see him up there, and it is great to um, to be a psychic couple and a spiritual couple, also teaching others. We were once invited, well, more than once actually invited to national television shows um, years ago, but they wanted us to be in conflict with each other about it, and that's not how it works with us. It's, it's how we made it together, actually, yeah. is, is we practice what we teach, we stay aware with each other. If there's issues, we talk to each other about it and, it, you know, get on with things. So, um, you know, we're, there's no chair throwing with us. <laughs> no going, I psychically see you looking at that other woman, you know. <laughs> it would be a fascinating conversation, but I think we'll have to leave it for another show, um, how, to psychic, how a psychic couple get... Because, um, yeah, I think that's where we're all going, you know. I think you're an example of, yes. of future, future Earth, future human, that we're all just kicking in that uh, intuitive abilities more. That's why Bill Bennett's movie, you know, is so popular and um, shows like this, you know, everyone's talking about it. So it's where we're moving to. So you're leading the way, you and Michael, for Thank you. humans who will be having that more psychic connection um i suppose it'll happen more in coupleship because that's who you're closest to and then as we evolve this human race it'll become you know we'll eventually all evolve to be communicating telepathically i don't know what will happen that's to right. speech, but we'll use speech yes. sometimes but in years yes. to come who knows how many years that would be yeah oh Raphael, it's been so beautiful any Thank last you. thing you'd like to say to people that are, um, you know, grieving a pet or 
uh, about the pets and how we have this communication with them or soul contract with them? Well, um, I sincerely believe that the animals that chose that choose to be with us in a given lifetime, we are spiritually self-teaching each other. We are helping each other evolve. They are helping, you know, that unconditional love and that sort of thing. Um, they really uh, take that to the highest degree when they're working with humans and they're wanting to evolve themselves. But as they take their next steps, they, they will get more information like we, do, we humans do about, you know, the good and the bad and the, you know, all this stuff, kind of stuff that will con confuse and, and cause us to grow more. Mm. So they have that unconditional love for us. We, we kind of have conditional love for them because they have to be able to live with us, right? Mm. We have to train them how to be, to live with us, which is against their nature. And mm. that's part of their involvement. Okay, wow. they, they are showing us day after day that unconditional love and support. And no matter what, how bad you are, how bad a day you have, that dog or that cat is still going to love you the way you are, unless you treat them badly. And then maybe they might shut, shut down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so on the grief end of things, your soul, your, your soul, as well as your pet soul, they do live on. And oftentimes they will come back to be with you more than once. Not all the time, though. Sometimes there's a completion and the, the human soul will know it intuitively. I had my completion with this animal. This animal needs to move on to another, you know, to other people that is going to help them grow in a different way. And that's okay. Such as, let's say, a person who's had a certain type of animal like a dog or a cat all their life and they're dying and their, their pets have all passed over and they're done. And so they're not going to come back and be with their, them in this lifetime because they're, they're finishing their lifetime. Mm -hmm. But agreements are made later. Okay, here's one I'd like to have come back and so on. And this is part of what I'm going to be trying to convey in my book. And by the way, I've changed the working title to it um, called Shanti's Lives, The Extraordinary Story of Animal in Reincarnation. And part of that is... Uh, that I, we didn't get to go into, I'm just going to give a little taste of, is our original incarnation together was in ancient Egypt. And it is such an amazing story yeah. that it's, it's the story I want to start my book with. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it as a cliffhanger. And then she's going to start having, you know, her incarnations with me. And then there'll be some reference to the many thousands of years between us coming back together in that original life. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be great fun. So, well, I can't wait till it comes out, Raphael. After Thank you. Done with moving, get onto it. And then we'll talk about it again on the show because this has been such a joy and a pleasure and so beautiful. Thank you. To invite the animals in now, my cats come in. But um, yeah, she's normally jumping all over me while I do a, a, um, a show. <laughs> But thank you so much for um, all the work that you do and for talking with us today. And, of course, I'll have the website underneath but uh, on the YouTube. But for people who are listening on uh, audio-only podcasts, where can they find out more about you? And do you do animal readings like do and things like that? Or Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually prefer to do the readings on the humans. And if you have an animal question, go ahead and bring it in because – that's, I work more with people. Mm -hmm. I'm not an, I, I'm not a trained animal communicator, but I'm pretty accurate when I talk 
about the animals. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't diagnose illnesses. We can't really do that legally here in the U.S. anyway. But I can give healing yeah. even to an animal. And animals can receive healing. Um, so if you're interested in a reading that includes questions about your animals, yes, I can do that. Um, and because I have such a difficult name, which has nine letters and nobody can spell it, I, we have decided to make our website, my, I'm talking about my husband, Michael, and I, his name, which is michaeltamura.com. That's our website, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-M as in Mary, U-R-A.com, michaeltamura.com. And we also do a weekly radio show called Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura, which is on voiceamerica.com, not Voice of America. That's something else. <laughs> voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays. Right. So those are the two ways you can start to get in touch with us. And you can also listen to the playback on your website too, because that's how I've been listening to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Recording yeah. on the website. And, and it's, um, it's also very, very easy to find all the archives of our radio shows right on the Voice America website. You just have to find us in the place where there's our little introductory uh, audio. This is this is this radio show. Mm -hmm. And right to the <clears throat> right column, there's all, there's all of our archives right there. So and it's free. You don't have to sign up for anything. And also you do online seminars. Michael and you do the online seminars. Yes, we do. Um, actually, it's it's uh, teleseminars on the phone, and we also do retreats and weekend seminars. And I also, between Michael and I, Michael did readings for 44 years and retired a number of years ago after he started, uh, you know, going through what he went through to take his next steps. Mm. Um, I'm still doing readings, so I do that in between everything else I do. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, if you're interested in that, just call our office and, and my assistant will tell you how much and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank yeah. you again for being on the show. Such a blessing. It's coming up to that time of year. It's the end of the year, 2008. Yes. So I'm going to wish you all the happy Hanukkahs and Merry Christmases and all the happy Krishnases and <laughs> all yeah. the happy, happy holidays. holidays. We celebrate Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you too and to everybody. Um, we love this holy season very much. Beautiful. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Isn't Raphael beautiful? Oh, it was such a gorgeous show. I loved talking to her about all the animals. I wanted to cry the whole way through it as I thought about all those beautiful animals. But uh, yes, our animal friends, our animal friends, they're just beautiful. They are a gift. I think I heard Eric say, you know, channeling Eric, that animals are a gift to humanity they are we teach each other you know I don't think one is teaching the other just as that Raphael said uh, we're all evolving and learning and experiencing and we're all in this together so uh, make sure to check out her beautiful website and all the work that she does she's wonderful I was just talking to Raphael um, oh, excuse me about next year 2019 getting her and Michael online to do some more sort of webinars, sort of structured things. Because so they're just, both of them are such amazing spiritual teachers. And, um, you know, that little thing she talked about with the rose, how she put her grief in the rose. Like they've got so many things like that that can teach us about how to overcome grief and how to connect with our 
pets to, you know, psychic ability. So we'll do some, some classes, online classes next year and get people more connected to their psychic ability, expand their psychic ability. I think we're all connected to it, just as Raphael said, but learn how to use it, how to recognize it, how to expand it. Yeah, we'll do some of that next year with the two of them. So thanks again for watching and uh, make sure to like and subscribe and do all those things. And if you want to donate to the show, I always put a link in the YouTube, sometimes in the iTunes when I remember. There's a PayPal link if you've uh, enjoyed the shows over the years. And uh, I hope you all have a beautiful Merry Christmas and New Year and all that sort of Krishnaris, <laughs> Krishnamas for the people who believe in Krishna ah, and all that sort of beautiful stuff this year and um, I will see you again next year. Lots of love, big love, bye for now. Mwah.